Hey team, Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, when I ran my managed service provider MSP business, one thing that was absolutely necessary, but made me incredibly nervous, was sales. And I know from speaking to MSPs worldwide, I'm not alone in feeling this way. Sales is just something that seems to terrify people, seems to put them on edge. So how can we become comfortable with selling? Well, my guest today is the author of Sell More, Do Less, an MSP and IT specialist guide to better sales calls. Danny Boyle is a sales leader with a proven history of success in driving step change growth for cloud software brands in the IT industry. He's someone I've known for some time now, and he's very well known and very well respected across the managed service provider industry. He's got an impressive network of contacts across the whole industry, and he's got extensive experience of sales team leadership. So today, Danny is going to give us some insights into how you can master sales and allow your MSP business to thrive. Danny, welcome to Subtalk. Thanks very much, Richard. Uh, pleasure to be here, as always. It's good to see you, my friend. Where are you joining us from today? Uh, sunny Warrington, although it never is sunny this day and age. This has been probably <laughs> the worst summer in uh, years to come. So, um, yeah, uh, up north, um, they won't allow me to be in Berlin all the time with work. So it's a nice to wait. Well, Warrington, a part of the world I know very well. I've, I've, I've got a house there, got a property there, spent a lot of time there. In fact, I was there just the other week. I visited the uh, the Northwest Computer Museum in Lee. I don't know if you've ever, ever been there yourself. I've been around the corner from it. I'm a big rugby fan, so uh, oh, well, there you the stadium. Go. You've got to go there because I know you're, you've got an interest in uh, the history of computers and everything as well. <laughs> I'll send you some photographs of that. But anyway, we're, we're digressing already. You and I have known each other for a little while now. I'm, I was re- reflecting really on where we first met. And just before we came online, uh, you actually reminded me of where we first met. And it was when you were working at ZSphere, which was a, a boutique MSP distributor that made big waves in the managed service uh, space. So, uh, And you were saying, actually, we were recording videos and stuff at the time and uh, how you found that such a nerve-wracking experience. <laughs> remember back to those times. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I was shaking. I really was. It's <laughs> the first time, because I've been kind of locked up in a box in previous lives. I used to work in a call center where basically nothing is customer faces apart, uh, customer facing apart from your voice. Um, it, I did get, I just jumped into a world that was, completely unknown and that was like one or two months in you walked in doing a little bit of awareness and a bit of marketing and helping the guys out and um i just remember you putting a camera in my face and i didn't have no clue what to do well, you, were, uh, you, were, you were awesome then and we've seen you grow in this industry yeah. as well and and i think you know loads of people i i would imagine lots of people listening to this podcast will be aware of your work because you're a real go-giver you put your experience out there to help others as, as we will discuss but for anybody yeah. not familiar with uh, Danny Ball, tell us a bit about your journey in the IT industry. Where have you been? What have you done? Right. So, yeah, of course. So I started um, basically in retail. So I did about five or six years working my way up and I was recognized as one of the youngest ever uh, assistant managers to Vision Express, which is one of obviously the largest UK optician chain. Um, and you'd be surprised how much you learn in regards to the actual science behind the sales. And it was that that I was kind of drawn to. Um, I then kind of 
that run its course and I found myself working for BTB, uh, sorry, for BT, um, looking after B2B customers, corporate and enterprise, and a massive focus for them was always on the cross-selling element and um, just making customers more sticky. Um, so I took to this like a duck to water just because I've been involved with customers all my life and um, ended up helping and mentoring and coaching a lot of people. Um, the opportunity again came to represent Zsphere because uh, Rick was advertising for a potential VoIP solution to sell to MSPs. Yeah, and that's, that's for the benefit of listeners. That's Rick Yates, who some listeners to the show might be aware of, a, a well-known IT entrepreneur. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, one of my main idols in life, to be honest, he's been a huge, um, impactful um, leader uh, for me, both on a professional level and a personal level. Uh, so he took me under his wing. Uh, I was tasked to basically promote one of the VoIP solutions that we were bringing into the portfolio for MSPs. Uh, it was a brief journey because... Um, long story short, the product didn't quite live up to standard. Um, and I thought at the time I was getting the boot uh, because I've come from that call center lifestyle. They have a very um, special way of making you feel insecure at all times and making you feel not good enough. Mm. Um, Rick, um, to my surprise, um, completely destroyed that and uh, said, come on, Danny, we'll have you on board. And then that's when I made myself into um, sales manager, stuck around, got involved with all, all, all MSPs and partners all over the EU and the UK. Yeah, and Zsphere, of course, was acquired. Uh, and I believe it's, it's QBS uh, MSP they're called now, isn't it? Yes. Um, out there. So, yeah, were, were you a part of that acquisition um, a sort of journey as well? Were you there afterwards? Uh, only for a brief period. I was there for a few months uh, during the exit. Yeah, and you're now part of the Ninja One family. So we've got to give a shout out for, and, and I think listeners are going to be familiar. I've done a number of video yeah. demos with Ninja One or Ninja RMM as it used to be known historically. But for those unfamiliar with Ninja One, tell us about, about who they are and what you do for them. Yeah, well, I've personally kind of come full circle because the first product away from the VoIP solution that I could get involved with was with Zsphere was Ninja. Wow. Uh, it was called Ninja RMM at the time. Uh, back then, six or seven years ago, they only had 30 staff and no direct channel for the EU uh, market or arena. Um, now we're one of the leading RMM products globally. We have over a thousand employees worldwide and we are one of the highest ranked tools month after month, quarter after quarter for support and service. So I've always loved Ninja. It's had a, heart, a soft spot in my heart for a long time, purely because it was the one that kind of got me into the grain of the MSP world. Um, and it was very hard when the opportunity came around to say no, because it's just so reputable in the industry. Yeah. And, and tell us about your role at Ninja One. What do Because you, you're, you're very client facing still there, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, you can't get me away from customers, not for too long. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so I'm the senior account manager. I look after the higher end of the UK scale. Uh, so I look after anything that ranges from two and a half thousand agents right through to 37,000 agents. Um, and uh, just basically my main goal is to make sure everybody is perfectly happy and learning the best trends in the industries and why and what they can do to make subtle but small differences to increase not only their MRR, but also their margins as well. 
Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, I think it should be fairly obvious to anybody who's just listened to that sort of, um, you know, concise bio of where you've come from, spent time in the industry. You are all about the customer experience. You're all about customer focus, spending time with people. And, and you've built up a great reputation in the industry. I mean, I don't need to tell you that, Danny, but people know you, they like you, they appreciate what you, you put into the community out there. So you've been in sales, customer focused roles for a long time now. You've clearly learned a lot. So tell me, yeah. what prompted you to write your first book? What prompted you to become an author and to write this book, Sell More, Do Less, an MSP and IT Specialist Guide to Better Sales Calls? It was an interesting one because it definitely wasn't planned. Yeah. Um, but when I was in BT, I spent a lot of my time coaching and mentoring others, uh, especially on all the little things that they can say over the phone just to make a big, big difference in the end outcome. And the one thing that was clear when I joined the MSB lifestyle is that technician, uh, technical people aren't always the most adaptable to selling. Oh, yes. Um, you could actually say that they're very scared of it uh, and will do everything to avoid that. Um, and we live in a world where obviously you just don't know if you just just because I know doesn't mean everybody else does, you know, and uh, we can easily just assume that. Uh, but the more I got involved with MSPs, the more I noticed that sales wasn't their cup of tea. Uh, and because of my time looking after other colleagues and mentors in the past and also working with MSPs, I found it was quite a really rewarding opportunity to help MSPs because obviously you know what the channel's like and you know what the chain's like if it helps them it's going to help me um and the company that I'm representing so during covid um I hit rock bottom unfortunately like I really did I was um I don't mind talking about my mental health it was a bad time it was during the time when Boris was uh would allow us out for one hour of exercise per day and all the neighbors were snitching on each other because uh, Janice from next door has been out for two hours not one and they're ringing the police so that for me I had no escape because I've always been an outside cat I love my outdoor time and um I just started writing because it was a distraction. And then once I got the hang of it, I remained driven because in the back of my mind, I always wanted to something that I could say, I've done that. Obviously, in my success in my career business-wise, I've always helped to generate the big numbers and the figures for the businesses I'm representing. But there's not something that I could say I could class as my own. And back in the day, I've dabbled with owning a bar and getting into the Airbnb world and none of that stuck but my book did uh, so that's the reason why I wanted to continue uh, the passion behind actually finishing it yeah and we'll talk more about the book and some of the wisdom that you've you've shared in that I, I want to ask you before we jump right into that though why and you've already alluded to this why does selling cause us techie types and I'm a self-professed geek here you know I used to run a managed service provider business learn the business side of things but as I mentioned at the top of our call Holy cow, you know, selling brought me out in a cold sweat and clammy palms. Why does selling cause us techie types so much angst? I think it's to do with the fear of failure. Obviously, we brushed upon it a little, um, a little earlier, but it's just venturing into the unknown. Um, not always, but as we don't know what we don't know, there are lots of situations in where, in our lives where we're built to settle for the path of least resistance and to give you an example obviously if you're thinking of going over to someone at a bar and asking them out sometimes it's easier to assume that they will say no and avoid actually asking that question altogether to risk the potential 
disappointment and products and technology can't talk back either so it's a much easier journey for technicians to settle with that option and avoid pushing things to that next level yeah makes a lot of sense there so the book you know um do you believe that someone you know would you call yourself a natural born salesman do you believe that someone is born a natural salesman or or do you think anybody can learn this anybody can it, there's no doubt about it. It's just like learning to swim. If the intent is there and you have someone who is prepared to fail in order to get better, then of course the exact same thing can be applied to the sales process. Our yeah. brains are hardwired to be better and to learn to avoid things that bring us pain again and again. And just look at it when you're having a, an argument at home with your missus. The one thing you do when it's ended is always talk about, uh, always think about what you could have said. And that's just part of the learning process. Sales is no different. Just like when you've been driving for years and you have a crash, you know, all of a sudden when you finally get back to actually driving that car again after a, um, a crash, your hands are at 10 and 2, you're indicating every time, you're over-checking your mirrors. It's just part of that learning process. Um of being in a position where you're prepared to fail, but you accept that it's part of a process to be better. Yeah. And I can tell you now, Danny, the listeners to Tub Talk, this podcast, they're not the type of people, they're high achievers. They would never have an argument with their partner at home on any level. So but we, <laughs> understand, we understand the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I joke, of course. But <laughs> I'm really intrigued as well about the, you know, the book. It's I think, as I said earlier, it's clear that you're a very relationship orientated person. The book, uh, and 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 again, I, I was hugely honoured. You know, you reached out to me and gave me an early copy of the book, and and uh, very flatteringly asked me if I'd write the foreword for it, which I'm, you know, absolutely delighted to do and honoured to do. But when I was reading the book, it became really clear to me that what you've done is you've put together a system, a framework around the you know having a, a relationship having building a relationship with somebody and it's almost like a checklist or here are the steps to do to actually make sure that you you make the sale it's as simple as that and back when i ran my msp business you know i went through a sales training program called sandler sales institute which yeah. some listeners might be familiar with you're probably familiar with you know it costs an awful lot of money, a real huge investment. It cost a lot of time uh, investing in, in that as well. It was time well spent and money well spent for me. But holy cow, you know, that was a huge investment for me. And yet you managed to have boiled this relationship-based selling down into a book that you're uh, sharing with people. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about um, the skills you think are required uh, to become a good salesperson. I think it's to do with, uh, obviously, a lot of people talk about the, uh, the tenacity, the confidence, the fear. But if you break that down and just go back to the bare bones and understand that sales is just a process, it's just like anything else. Like when you're going through a full deployment, you know, you have your step-by-step -step guide and all the things that you should be on the lookout for and potential hazards and objections which come along the way. Um, and I feel like one thing that the listeners will really, really catch on is the difficulty for technical people is to bridge the gap between the logic and the emotional side of a buying decision. Mm -hmm. um, and it's mentioned really, really well. Um, Jordan Pe uh, Peterson, who's a famous psychologist, uh, quite viral for his uh, very um, interesting opinions. Not that I disagree or agree with them, but one thing he did say that, he, that stuck out to me um, is that everybody is either interested in things or people. 
the people that pit things tend to be engineers, technicians, tradesmen, architects, MSPs, and the people that are interested in people uh, are salesmen, nurses, teachers, lawyers, and so on. And because of that, there is that void of understanding in the full sales cycle, purely because it's based around the journey of the person, not always the product. Obviously, everybody understands the long and short of why a product is useful, but sometimes people fail to make that emotional connection as to why it's important, not just how it's important. And so one thing that I always love to do is just to take it back to bare bones. Instead of investing lots of money here, there and everywhere about how they can grow, if partners are not making the most out of their existing partner base and existing opportunities, then there's going to be a lot that can potentially go south or not move at all in the, in the future with new and exciting ventures, which could be on the horizon. Yeah. Let me put you on the spot. What would you say is the number one mistake that MSPs make when it comes to their attitude towards selling? I think that it would be it. It's the, the, the disconnect between the logic, uh, the logic and emotion uh, because technical people are so driven on the features and the benefits as to why something is good they always seem to disassociate from the emotional side as to how this will impact them what is the journey as to what why this is going to be a success and everybody in the world likes to be a shepherd when it comes to what their buying decisions are but i'm a quite a firm believer that everybody is a sheep because we all like to base all of our buying habits on reviews case studies you know, like, let's be honest, if you're looking for a holiday, you're not going to go to the hotel without a single review. You want to make sure that there's at least substantial amount of positives as to why this has been a really, really big positive outcome, not just for the end user, but also potential for you as well. And that's the disconnects that I see with technical people getting into the sales world. Yeah. And, and certainly for me, uh, you talked about sales being a system, my attitude towards uh, getting out there as an MSP owner and putting myself in front of uh, businesses and and selling to them. Or, or let me rephrase that. I learned that it wasn't so much selling, it was helping people. And yeah. if I wasn't able to help them, and I know I've seen you do this before, you point them in the direction of somebody who can and build the relationships there. But it was a system. And I think everybody who works in managed services in IT are familiar with systems. They're comfortable with systems. We don't reinvent the wheel every time we're deploying you know an active directory uh, uh, network or installing a new pc the best you know most progressive msps have got checklists they follow a system so that they deliver consistently every time and that's what you've done with this book you've produced a system for msps uh, to follow so again from from that perspective alone i would recommend that uh, people check out uh, uh, this book I want to pick up on something, though, you mentioned to me, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but uh, um, you mentioned to me in conversation recently that you as a salesperson, you're achieving an average lead to close rate of 35% on qualified yeah. leads. Um, and I hope you don't mind me sharing that, but that that's really impressive. Um, what Thank do you, what, you know, speaking as Danny Ball, as the existing salesperson, what do you put this high close rate down to? I think a large portion of it is to do with that people still buy from people. Um, obviously, you can take the human interaction away from it and just make it purely a business logical decision. But again, the emotion still drives that factor. And just being aware of 
the actual sales cycle and understanding that it is a process, just like the deployment, just like any type of uh, break fix issue or ticket that's being managed. If partners can be aware of the inner workings as to all the basics of what they can do and what they can say that can have a really big outcome on the sale, I think they would be able to see a massive difference um, in their conversion rate. And that also becomes, um, my experience is that a lot of partners I've worked with don't not actually know all of those details. It could yeah. be something that they've bypassed for years. It could be something like you said, um, a little bit of your history is that you just fell into a position where you kind of had to sell in order for the business to um, so succeed and to grow and thrive. That's, the same journey a lot of my other partners I've worked with over the years I've noticed too so just being aware of those steps and putting it into bite-sized chunks makes a massive massive difference yeah and 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 again we, we keep coming back to this thing but like myself so many people that you've come across in this industry are really good technicians techie geeks they love technology uh but then they fall into this position don't they of suddenly becoming a business owner and you've got marketing you've got HR and you've got sales to deal with and that terror is like, oh, you know, you can be the best IT company in the world, but if nobody knows about your buys from you, like what is uh, the point? So the sales system important, but in the book, you mention the structure and cycle of, of uh, sales a lot. So what's the reason behind that? Tell us a little bit more. It's more to do with the fact that MSPs are at like varying different levels of not just success, but obviously in their journey for growth um there's going to be a lot of people who are absolutely getting nine time uh, nine things out of ten already absolutely where it should be i'm not here to reinvent the wheel there's plenty of things everybody is doing that's the reason why the business is still established for all msps where we don't need to fix what's not broken i'm not one for going down the route of investment in any serious degree away from just making sure they're doing the best uh, the best of their uh, their ability at the moment so i've designed the book and i've structured it in such a way that it is a very very simple and understandable tips and tricks guide um as to all the little key details at every single stage from cradle to grave as to what they can say and what they can be aware of in the background that makes a massive difference in the slow um but steady progression of growth yeah can you give some examples i know you include them in the book and of course we want people to go and buy the book uh, and to <laughs> check it out as well it's your first book you're a published author we want you to succeed and and people who buy this book i, I looked on amazon you've got 30 odd uh, plus sort of five star reviews already so congratulations on that but could you give Thank us you. like a, an example from the book of you know where an msp could implement this and it's made a difference yeah, one of the big differences that I've noticed, especially in my time mentoring others, is that the qualifying lead uh, and the information that's harnessed out of that is often missing. Uh, so the one thing that I stand by is the acronym called BANKOUT, uh, mm -hmm. and that stands for seven different key details of information that needs to be um, withdrawn and exposed by the customer or the salesman or technical person in this um, example in order to understand exactly where the lead is up to in their journey. So to give you a bit of an idea, the B stands for the budget, the A stands for the authority, uh, as to, sorry, I'll go through things in a little bit more detail. Yep. So the budget is obviously in, incredibly important just because it helps you to justify exactly what type of time, uh, 
pricing range that you're getting involved with and also who the authority is a lot of businesses that we see nowadays have a lot of um very complex buying decisions and buying habits so there's a lot of committees involved there's a lot of multiple decision maker factors which are there so it's just understanding who you need to speak to in order for that deal to be progressed to the next stage the n is for need simply why does the customer need it what is it that's making them tick which is preventing uh, sorry which is preventing the deal from happening the c is for the competition long and short of it who you're up against and how many uh the o is for the opportunity size the volume of whatever product that you're getting involved with as to why that's specifically key that's a uh, key information the you is for unique why are they looking at you what is it that's tweaked them and got their interest is it the trust is it the product or is it the actual company you're representing and the t is for the timeline when are they going to say ahead so when i've specifically worked with a lot of different partners over time i've noticed that this structure doesn't exist not mm. as a whole because i understand mine's quite extensive but it just doesn't exist at all their note taking their information gathering that they're trying to extract when working on unqualified leads in order to get them to a qualified stage so much information is missing which is vital to the pipeline and the funnel that all partners are working on yeah and thank you for sharing that because you know, it matches very much up with a revelation I had early in my career, which I remember spending so much time in sales meetings and thinking, oh, this is going great. But I was scared because we're British, Danny. I was scared to talk about money. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we got to the end of it. We're like, these people are going to buy. And then we mentioned the cost of whatever. And they were like, oh, no, that's, there's no way. We, we just, and you think, oh, the amount of time and effort that's been wasted there. And if we had the budget conversation up front, we could ascertain whether these people are somebody who values IT and wants to invest in it, or, and, and so many listeners will empathize with this, I think, are they just trying to buy as cheap as possible? Do they see IT as a necessary evil? And so who do you want to spend your time with? The people who value IT or the people who would love to do what to have what you've got, but just aren't going to be bothered spending that, that sum of money. So yeah. really, really important. Yeah, and that's it. And if we go to the step back as well, we've even got the four different types of buyers as well. So it doesn't matter what you buy in life, there's different degrees of obviously urgency and necessity based on what you find is going to be incredibly interesting so you have the buyers on heat which is obviously your dream scenario unfortunately only about 10 percent of customers actually fit into that bracket you have the buyers with intent which everything suggests that this is going to go the right way but obviously a few key details and objections may need to be handled in order to get to that customer and that stage uh, you've got the time wasters uh, which unfortunately happens in every single industry and whoever can eliminate that is going to be an automatic millionaire overnight and then you've got the tire kickers and uh, mistakes as well so this is a slightly different category mistakes isn't to do with something that the msp is purposely doing that's more to do with uh, an end user has just requested the wrong thing by accident uh, but the tire kickers is people who are purposely wasting your time in order to generate a better quote some somewhere else with the provider that they actually want to go down and i do it myself unfortunately every now and again when my broadband's up for renewal i ring bt and say i've got this deal what can you do and then i go back to virgin it's unfortunately the way of the world sometimes so it's always good to know again as i mentioned all the inner workings and what to expect and how to adjust your approach to suit going forward 
Yeah. And, and again, so much time that MSPs could save if they understood that concept that you've just shared. I remember when I was an MSP going to uh, a, a new client or, or a new prospect there, having the conversation and then getting the dawning realization, I wasn't going to win this work. And then I had the upfront conversation. I said, look, probably not you, but we often speak to people who, you know, they've got an existing IT provider and they're trying to, to get a better deal. And you saw their face go and they were like, yeah, that's what we need. No worries. Yeah. I'll give you a customer we'll walk away. And it must have saved me hours and hours in that specific yeah. deal uh, doing that. So whilst it's not something that you want, it happens, doesn't it? So you've got to be prepared yeah. for it. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so it's obvious to anybody listening to this, I've known for a while, but you know, you're really passionate about your job. You're passionate about people and relationships. Uh, everyone can tell that. Where <laughs> would you say this passion for relationships, for selling, for building relationships has come from? Oh, it's come from my college days. I studied really? psychology and sociology um, in college, and I just became obsessed. Uh, with all the different personalities, the traits, the habits that people have and the reasons behind why people do things the way they do. I just find it's fascinating. Um, I really do. I also studied art, but I haven't found a use for that yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just, but to swim back around, there's a massive element in sociology and psychology that not just affect our usual day-to-day -day personal and business lives, but also have a massive implication in the sales cycle as well because don't forget people do buy from people so the relationship is key and that's one of the things i like to focus on is the relational side of selling how to actually get a customer on board not just to trust you for the short term but to be there for a long long time around because that's what the msp model is built on uh, and a massive portion of that credit is due to the relationship that gets built during that process and following the cycle to get the customer up to that level. Yeah, couldn't agree more. One of my great mentors, uh, Bob Berg, who wrote the, the Go-Giver book, which long-time listeners will know, I mention at least two or three times uh, every uh, episode on this show, but uh, the Go-Giver and Bob talks about, you know, all things being equal or even close to equal, people buy from people they know like and trust and so absolutely it's to do with the relationship side of there i'm interested as well danny you mentioned earlier rick rick yates a great friend mentor uh, of you of yours we've featured him on the show before who else do you consider uh, mentors or influences on your career Ah, so James Steele uh, as well has been um, another previous managing director of mine has been an absolute godsend just to put me in the right light, but also just to set out my career expectant, uh, expectations in the right in the right form. But he's also been incredibly supportive for me in everything that I've done. And he's one of those people where regardless of how busy he is, he will always give you that time of day to actually talk and um, justify whatever view uh, that you have is of that given moment and also yourself as well I know you probably uh, think oh god but um, from my side when I walked into the MSP world you were actually one of the first people I looked up to as a mentor because you were already well known in the industry I was trying to become um, established in uh, so I was looking um, not in a creepy way but I was looking in the background um, as to things that you're working with products that you are getting involved with just to understand what it is that's making MSPs tick because again we like to feel that we are shepherds but 
what you find in the MSP world, which again is no different to any other industry, is that people follow trends which are working. And what usually works for one person works for the majority. Um, so I seen you, uh, I seen yourself as a little bit of a guiding light as to what type of products you should be involved with, how it actually filters down to the MSP level and their understanding. And um, yeah, just being in touch over the last few years has been incredibly helpful for me, not just for you, but also um, with Rick and James as well. They've been so important for me and my progression. Yeah, well, thank you, uh, Danny. That means a lot to me. I'm very, very flattered. And again, I'm honoured that you've asked me to write the foreword for this book. And I should say, you know, you're carving your own uh, uh, reputation out here. People know you, they like you, they trust you. And I think with this book, becoming an author is 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 the next big step for you. Uh, for, I want everybody to know Danny Ball is one of the best kept secrets in the MSP industry. And people are about <laughs> to, to learn all about that as well. You also mentioned, you know, Ricky Yates, we talked about great friends and uh, IT entrepreneur uh, and James Steele who I've uh, become very close with over the past few years as well. James is on fire at the moment. Have you seen his videos that he does on YouTube <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for, for the Linode Partner Channel? He's, uh, we'll, we'll include that in the show notes, but go and check out those guys because uh, uh, you know Danny has mentioned some incredibly smart uh, people there for you to, to go and learn from as well. Um, I've never asked you this, Danny, you know, on a personal level, but when you aren't selling, when you aren't helping MSPs, what do you spend your spare time doing? Mainly sports, to be honest, in yeah. any shape or form. As I mentioned before, I've always been an outside cat and I've loved competitive sports all my life. Um, unfortunately, I've had four uh, very bad knee injuries and spent two and a half years of my career on crutches. Um, so my life of contact sport quickly um disappeared into the abyss and um so what i'm doing now is i do like to go um like a bit of golfing and uh badminton with the missus things like that but i also like a bit of gaming and the tech side of things as gadgets as well uh, that yeah. always keeps me keeps me interested what what's what's your favorite game at the moment what are you playing video game wise uh the new star wars jedi survivor Oh yeah, um, really good, well-made game. Uh, to be honest, so if you are into uh, getting lost into obviously the Star Wars world, which I'm sure many IT people are, um, it's definitely something that you should check out. You are talking to a Star Wars geek here. <laughs> I'm going to say you know that, but yeah, I'm, I'm mad for it. Which platform are you playing on? Is it Xbox or uh, PS? PlayStation. I've PlayStation. had it. Uh, yeah, PS5. I've had it for a long time. So um, I've I've been a Sony boy all my life, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could we could talk about it. we won't because this is a show about managed services, not about uh, uh, video games. However, that said, we can't end this interview without talking about your comedy. Now, especially those jokes you share on social media. For the benefit of anybody who hasn't got a clue what I'm talking about here, Danny, come on, give, give it a plug here. Talk about these. Sometimes I was going to say questionable, but sometimes uh, dad jokes that you share a little bit on uh, social media. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're not even jokes, to be honest. But, you know, it's LinkedIn. You have to be PG to a degree, can't you? You can't go all dark and um, Jimmy Carr on the world because you'll be cancelled automatically. So, um, uh, yeah, a few years ago, um, I was on LinkedIn when I was first getting into the MSP world. And um, LinkedIn was a very serious place quite uh, many years ago. It was very serious. Um, there wasn't a lot of um, different content like there is now. It was 
strictly uh, business and business only. So I saw a little opportunity to be different and spread a bit of joy and life. And I know our good friend Rob uh, Rob Gibbons as well was uh, doing his own uh, doing his own thing in uh, um, on his own LinkedIn as well. So. Uh, something that he's a legend Rob as well we love him to bits and um, yeah I just thought I'd be a little different um, and uh, change up the game a little bit more Uh, unfortunately I do not write them um, or else they would be completely copyrighted to high hell uh, and look to get like a little bit of an earning out of it but no it's just something that I do as a little bit of a hobby that I've become known for well you know if, if you're not interested in managed services, if you're not interested in sales, but you just love a good laugh, uh, you've got to go and follow Danny Boyle on uh, on, uh, on uh, LinkedIn there because it's worth it for the price of admission alone. But <laughs> with that said, <laughs> let's get back to the book. So the book title is Sell More, Do Less, an MSP and IT Specialist Guide to Better Sales Calls. It's now available, I believe, in – I've got the paperback version you kindly signed for me. Uh, Kindle format as well, right? It is both Kindle and paperback, yeah. Yeah, and and where would you recommend people go and get it? Is it is Amazon first stop, first put of call? Yeah, absolutely, Amazon. Uh, so they are the publisher uh, that I've decided to go with, uh, just purely because it makes it it made it the most uh, affordable for the end user to purchase. So um, if anybody, I'm sure I don't need to explain what Amazon is, um, <laughs> uh, but if you just get, if you um, just go on Amazon and just Google Danny Boyle or Danny Boyle book or sell more, do less, it will come right up. Absolutely. And we'll include a link to the book and everything else we've talked about in the show notes uh, for this episode. So go to www.tublog.co.uk for that. But Danny, you know, there's going to be people listening to this, perhaps come across your work for the first time, maybe going to go rush out and buy the book next from Amazon on Kindle or paperback. Anybody wants to get in touch with you, continue the conversation. I know you're, uh, excuse the pun, but you're an open book. You're easy to contact. (laughs) Uh, How can people reach you? Yeah, um, two methods. Um, The most easiest is LinkedIn message. Uh, Just send me a private message. Obviously, I need to sift through the 30 recruitment emails that you get everybody. uh, Everybody gets every day to day. But um, I'll definitely um, respond. Um, Alternatively, if you want more of a personal approach, uh, you can send me an email at danny at dannybot. UK. Um, so that's without the cope um, because there's a more famous Danny Boyle in the world. Um, unfortunately for me, who's got that website? So I can't oh, have yeah. the .co.uk one. <laughs> Danny Boyle, the movie maker. And I think it's only a matter of time before our Danny Boyle, you catches up on the fame there. I don't think it's that far away. So <laughs> I, I hope so because <laughs> it's the, the running joke that I get with all my partners going, oh, you've had a turn for the worst in your career, haven't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, as I said, we'll include all your contact details in the show notes for this. Danny, uh, I hope this doesn't sound condescending. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of what you've achieved with this book. You've built a fantastic reputation for yourself in the industry as somebody who will give their time and energy to help uh, others. And, uh, you know, I wish you all, all the success in the world with this book. So thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much, Richard. Uh, uh, Richard, and also thank you just for uh, doing the forward as well. It just mean, it means a lot. It's really appreciated, and it will ever be. My pleasure. Cheers, Danny. Thanks, Richard. Bye bye. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. 